So, uh, welcome to guest Autumn Gracie. Today we have, that's really, yeah, you get to see how fucking awkward I am when <laughs> I'm like, as soon as I start recording, I'm like, so, hi guys, how's it going? Um, so for the first time we have a guest on Bread and Barricades, a lame podcast. Um, oh god, really? The first guest? Yeah, the first guest! Oh, yeah. I'm so honoured! <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, I was super excited because I love your fan fictions. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, fan fiction. I love you, Vanessa. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I oh, mean, these guys can make a reference we all deserve. <laughs> So, this is Nemo, because um, we, yeah, so our audio setup is kind of weird. Um, so, on Gracie, this is the first time you vocally talking to us, so, yeah. And not vocally talking to Stevie. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Stevie and Grace have never talked to Mom and Gracie. I vaguely Hi. on Tumblr. Hi! <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, Thank you! So, yeah, this is Nemo, your host, um, and we're also eating lasagna at the same time because we're just the most professional podcasters. Um, Unbelievable. I use they-them pronouns, and I just finished DMing a, what was it, five-hour-long, six-hour-long D&D session, so my voice is just fucked. Um, I'm Grace. I use they-them pronouns, and I am your favourite... Crust cruncher. <laughs> oh, <God>. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stevie. She, her, your house host and lasagna maker. <laughs> no secondary research. Again, who would have ever thought it? Wow, amazing. And this is Autumn Gracie. Hi. I'm um, just another piece of women's trash, I guess. That also writes sometimes. <laughs> And you use she, her pronouns? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, unlike our usual episodes where we sort of go through a chapter and then talk about what's happened, or Grace goes through a, cha- goes through a chapter and then we sort of dissect it, um, I think because we will talk for fucking ever about how much we're standing <laughs> over Jean Valjean, like, for real, um, we will maybe talk about Jean Valjean's past a bit, um, which is something that we've just read but haven't talked about yet, um, and maybe through the eyes of your fic. And because it's the first time we've really gone into fic a lot, I thought I would talk a bit about fan fiction and sort of what it means, because I know that there are a lot of people um, who actually listen to this podcast who aren't fandom people, which is just kind of weird to me. Um, oh, a little bit, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, like... I, I have surreptitiously read Les Mis during Colin's writing, uh, eating type things to professors and uh, at one point the dean and they didn't know because I changed the names. Amazing. <laughs> I only changed them to like canon nicknames though so if they were paying attention they would have to know. You are literally such a hero. 
because we're trashy and we assume that the rest of the world isn't trashy and maybe people don't really know much about fanfiction, I thought I would, if you're comfortable with asking these questions, answering these questions, like, so you have a fic, um, the only one you have on Archive of Our Own, I don't know why, yeah. but... If well, uh, there was, like, the first fanfiction that I actually I know. I was just like sitting here like that's your first fanfic. Well, no, I've been I've been writing original stuff since I was oh, like eleven. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it's not like the first thing I wrote, but Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I mean I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Onigoshi has written a fanfiction called A Reflection of Starlight, and it's currently 335,252 words. It's really fucking long, and, I mean, from my perspective, doesn't seem like it's ending very soon. Uh, I think, I think in total, like, right now, in, in the, counting the unpublished things as well, it's, like, nearing a thousand single space pages and word but it's it's like so close it's so close to getting done i'm just like blown away by how much how long it is like yeah i did not intend for this at all <laughs> how long did like when you started writing it how long did you intend it to be I did not intend it to even be one book. I intended it to be... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Something about, well, when Jermaine doesn't die, and then then he yells at Rojan to not die, and then I didn't really know where to go from there, but, but I just kind of kept going and haven't stopped. <laughs> so it's currently 60 chapters long, and as you just said, it is in books. Oh um, God, like amazing. a proper fucking Victor Hugo well, reincarnate. Victor Hugo can put books within one book. I think I'm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it Javert? Javert got his entire own book that had one single chapter in it. Yeah. I will never oh forgive God. Victor for that ever. Oh my God. Uh, he was just like, "I'll come back to this later," because you know he obviously <laughs> wrote the thick where he got saved by Valjean and like blah blah, blah and it was it's, like his yeah. entire backstory and it was really long and great and then Victor Hugo left it on the cutting room floor oh, God. in in like square brackets insert backstory here <laughs> and yeah. he just never got to it. yeah he's like um done the like control F looking for all of his like mm. oh I need to go back to this part and yeah he hasn't come back to so okay interesting this is your first fan fiction why did you why did you choose to write it? Like, so, a, I guess a big question for Well, people. I, I couldn't dig Victor Hugo up out of his grave and punch him, so this was the closest I could get to that. We do weekly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to, like, go to Victor Hugo's grave and just be like, Oi, motherfucker! <laughs> oh, I feel like the general fan consensus is that Victor Hugo's ghost actually walks abroad looking for people to fight, so I'm not sure he would be versus anyway. <laughs> Best reason to write a fanfic. So, how would you describe the plot of your fanfic so far? I mean, really simply, because there's been like fucking fires and like shit ton of crap. Basically, it's just trying to take all the loose ends of plot material that could have gone somewhere that he go left and trying to tie them up into something that resembles a coherent narrative that is also a love story. 
<laughs> because it is a love story. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. At some point, thank you. After 335k, like they still haven't like had the oh shit moment. No, oh, no, no. <laughs> the slowest burn. It's so fucking slow. There, there are like two or three chapters between current publishing and when things happen. So. <laughs> oh no! Watching Grace, you cannot see the expression that Nemo just gave us, but it was it was quite a thing. Yeah. When I was reading the last chapter, I mean, kind with of spoilers for the last chapter of A Reflection of Starlight, but you just started it. <laughs> Valjean and Javert go back to Toulon to like. There's that's intricate plot reasons. Deal with you have trauma. to read Deal it. With you have to read it. But yeah, they're like feeling of trauma is the sort of offshoot of that if it's fair to say yeah um, how i mean it's got so much toulon knowledge in how how do you know so much how, how what was uh, your like research other people in the fandom <laughs> <laughs> i i the like best. ransacked other people's blogs and historical info posts and uh, reread the book so many times. Oh god! And then tried tried to do Google research. Except I don't actually speak French, so this is not very easy for me to do oh random yeah, detailed historical happen. research on things. So yeah, every time I'm trying to do research, you'll see the names of these amazing pieces, and you're like, yeah, okay, I can understand enough French to know that this is like some key research, <laughs> and then it's all in French. You're like. <laughs> or it's like a, a, a screenshot of something where it's like a picture and it's not something you can just play in the translator. Yeah. So I'm assuming, Autumn Gracie, you have read The Brick? Yeah. I read it in two days. Uh, what? I, what? How? It was long. I had spinal surgery and I was in a horrible pain and I literally could not sleep because I was also going through like withdrawal from the pain meds they gave me. So, like, I had nothing to do, and I couldn't focus on doing anything except, like, passive consumption of media. So I was like, you know why my dad has all these old classical novels that he uh, stole from his dad who stole it from the library's trash can. So I'm going to go read those for fun. And I was like, oh, I've always wondered what the, the selling point of labels was, so why don't I just read those? And... I just kind of read them straight for two days. Oh my god. It's like the most metal story ever. It's like, oh yeah, I read like a library copy that was stolen from a library trash can while I was recovering from pit, like freaking spinal surgery. Our faces right now are just like all jaws like, to the floor. floor. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? It's incredible. It's apparently like a rare edition that was like some reader's club. Oh shit. It's got flip covers, it's like a two book. There's some other person I found on Tumblr that had the same edition. And I'm losing my mind because I like moved out for a while in my parents' house and I couldn't find the books when I moved back. And I know they're here somewhere, but my dad put them some strange place and has no memory of it. And it's, I want to go back because they had, it's the most illustrated version of Lightness that was, I think, like ever made. There were a thousand fifty some like hand drawn little like lithograph illustrations, what? and I'm like, I, you can't find them anywhere online, and I'm so mad because I know everyone would want to see these, and they're so good, and I want That's to like so photocopy cool. them and upload them, and I can't find them. Neither we need to like, <laughs> we need to like 
organize a trip, like, to your help house to your help house. search for this book. Oh, <laughs> Still God. How, how long ago was this then? Like, have you read it? So was that the that first time was, you read it? It was, God, oh, like seven years ago now. Okay. So why why suddenly 2015 did you go, you know what, Valjean Javert, there it I, is. I, think. Hmm. I don't know. I think, like, I, I actually read up until the point where Javert killed himself for the first day. Like, I read the book straight until that part. And that was where, oh like, I, that was where I left <laughs> off for that night. And, like, something about it just really, really messed me up and stuck with me, and I was so mad. And, I don't know, years later, like, because I was on Tumblr then, and there were all these people that were, like, theater people I followed, and they were like, oh, yeah, posting some women's stuff. And I was like, well, kind of accidentally got back into that as a fandom. I'm not even sure I really understood that it was such a fandom, because you don't necessarily think, like, all oh, this big classical. Like, I know the musical has a huge fandom. There's not as many people that are, like, really brick people. But I think but, lots of people start in the musical yeah. and sort yeah. of gently share. I did not, actually. I read the book before <laughs> I watched the musical, and I would not recommend doing that ever to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't recommend getting spinal surgery? <laughs> no, I wouldn't recommend that either, but... Now I want to challenge myself oh to my read God. the entire break in two days, and I'm like, don't do that to <laughs> I, yourself. I found the editions that. that I read. It was the Heritage <gasps> Press 1938 two-book edition. One day I will find you my precious books. I yeah. will show you to the world. <laughs> it's not less legitimate to read just 15 minutes a day. Like, that's not less, like, don't, don't hate know, yourself. Not, yeah, now you can never call me a lame is fan, because the first time I read it, I didn't read it in two days. It was the best yeah. part of that, though. It was, like, halfway through the night, uh, I think I was, like, crying, and my mom came in, and she was like, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm reading this book. She's like, but it's making you cry. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, so why are you reading? I'm like, it's titled The Miserable. Like, what What do you expect <laughs> would happen if I chose to pick it up and read it? I mean. Yeah, so the last chapter, chapter 60 of The Thick, they have gone to Toulon, and I found it really interesting. I mean, I think in the notes you said something like, um, it was technically possible that... Javert and Valjean could have been at Toulon at the same time. Yeah. They probably wouldn't have known each other, but, like... For people who haven't read The Brick, uh, yeah, and we haven't got to Toulon yet yeah, in yeah, The yeah, Brick, yeah. Toulon is the prison that Valjean starts off in. Yeah. Also for Stevie, yeah, who hasn't like, read uh-huh. The Brick and doesn't know <laughs> what Toulon is. is. Yeah, sorry. It's a um, prison in the south of France. Yeah. We spent a lot of time last week talking about where Toulon was. It was very bad. There was whipping and not good things were happening in prison at that time. And I think it was the first time I read in a fic that was sort of Toulon era, where it wasn't like romanticised that mm. Javert was the sort of jailer. I know that there's a lot of I'm going to call it problematic. I guess it's kind of something that can be debated in fandom a lot of, like, consent issues in the Lamez fandom are quite big, I would say. It's, but it's then also... fan, fan fiction um, has been argued that it needs to be kept on a different plane from real consent and stuff like that. Also, like, there's inherent 
consent issues with um, Bajon and Javert a lot of the time because of like power and balance. hidden identities and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and power imbalance big time. Yeah. And uh, a lot of time aliases and stuff like that. Aliases. See, I, I always said it as aliases, and the other day Sarah and like the rest of my housemates mm. were like, you took English, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's aliases. Valjean has a lot of fake names and fake yeah. identities, and you're, you're, you're consenting to sleep with <laughs> some, someone who you don't... Monsieur Le Maire, yeah. not yeah. Jean Valjean. <laughs> yeah. So, Autumn, Gracie, what was your sort of thinking process with this stuff, especially in a fic that's uh, a romance fic, I guess, or the end goal is for... When did you plan for them to go to Toulon? Mm, I don't know, probably like over a year ago. I, I like had toyed with the idea of doing it for a long time, but I wasn't really sure, and then I kind of made up my mind a while ago. I, like, I put a joke post on Tumblr ages and ages ago where I was like, semi-serious, but kind of like, wouldn't it be funny if, like, the first person to end up doing something to Valjean was actually Javert, but neither of them remembered it or something. Oh, man. <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my inner dialogue is just like, what's the worst possible thing I could do in this situation? Yeah. Oh, I know. Which is what, yeah, which is what makes people good writers. Really. Yeah. That's <laughs> good writing. Yeah. <laughs> makes the fix so interesting because it's like it doesn't shy away from like the idea of consent and the idea of like knowing about history and what you did in the past and how that affects your future actions and stuff like that like especially with Valjean who his whole like redemption arc of I did this one action and now my life has to be a consequence of consequence of that action for Javert it's the same thing but he just doesn't realize it and he doesn't have to like really live with the consequences after he determines yeah. that there there was something he did possibly wrong. He's just like no, no. And then when he does have to live with it, <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, because like a lot of a lot of things just kind of breeze past his inner turmoil there. I feel. I'm just really sad about Javert now. I know I'm always sad about Javert. No. Okay, so Jean Valjean. Let's talk about Jean Valjean, shall we? There really isn't that much in the brick about Valjean's past. Pre-bread? Pre-bread, pre-bread. So two facts that we know. There isn't much in the brick about Valjean's past. Five, six people in Valjean's family are called Valjean. No, Jean. No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Do you want me to go run down of all the people? <laughs> yeah. Actually, to be fair, Maybe more, but we don't get names of all the seven children. <laughs> I know. So Jean Valjean and his father, Jean Valjean, and, and his, his mother, mother Jean Mathieu, <laughs> and his sister, Jean Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go like, going on like, oh man, I really wish baby name generator was <laughs> invented by now. Jean is really, really close to the word Jean, which is like, the people in French or something. So it's like oh, really yeah. overtly over the top that he yeah. goes like Jean Valjean mm. represents humanity and all the downtrodden people of France. And so does everyone and else so does in his family and that's yes. why I gave them the same name. So does his mother and his father and his sister and her seven children. <laughs> yeah, all of the children yeah, all like, but PJJ. Only gets like the one chapter of backstory introduced to us with like a convict and then he gets like a single tidy little bit effects right like oh this guy had a yeah. life before yeah. this point but you know it's not mm -hmm. 
you know, super important. Yeah, actually, to be fair, there is exactly one page of the pre-bread stealing. <laughs> <laughs> we literally have a, cha- a, a, a full paragraph of that is the names of all the relatives. <laughs> All being young. <laughs> yeah, so uh, look, basically, our, our boy is a, a tree pruner. His father was a tree pruner who falls from a tree, and so he's, and and his brother um, dies of milk fever. I don't even know what but, that means, to be honest. I don't even know what milk fever is. I'll look it I'm, up. Yeah, yeah but our, our um, boy ends up being the prime looker after of a provider. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Breadwinner. Breadwinner. That's the best one. Breadwinner. Milk fever is a fever in women caused by an infection after childbirth, formerly supposed to be due to the swelling of the breast with milk. So if you were telling us that Valjean basically killed his mother, is that what he's telling us? Oh. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, because he's the younger. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. His sister's she's, she's, ten years older than him, so it's like something in even in between like an older sister and a mother figure. He probably wouldn't have yeah. any memories of his mom if she died because he like was born basically. God, Jean doesn't catch a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from day one his he's doomed to be a tragic hero. <laughs> becomes a primary breadwinner for a family of eight. So um, Mother Jean, his sister, and her seven children. So it talks a lot about how he basically never gets to have anything nice because he's always working. He never had time to fall in love. Tired all the time. He's always pretty much sleeps and goes to bed. Which is just the millennial life, really. Oh <laughs> Hashtag relatable Jean Valjean. Hashtag relatable. And how, how this sort of fosters like a sense of like surliness in him that he's like slightly resentful, but he always does his duty to yeah. raise these kids and that kind of stuff. You called him churlish in his duties. Yeah, I think the word that my translation uses is surliness specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Side note, oh man, has anybody read the uh, Takahiro Rai famous manga? Because it had yeah. such good stuff when it came to his backstory. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we need to have an episode about yeah. like all of the manga adaptations oh and stuff. God. Like, so wait, all of them? It was like well, both of the an adaptations I've ever seen. There's Ooh. two manga, I think. Is is that all about? That's all I've got That's to say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, basically, yeah. So we we have vague discussions of times where life is too hard to be able to support seven children and and how um, Mother Jean would, would like take all the best fruits from his bowl and give it to the children. Poor Jean Valjean, you know? It's like, oh, not getting all the really nice stuff to give it to all the kids. And one Sunday evening, we have another one of Victor Hugo's famous, one day there was a baker on this street and someone stole a loaf of bread from that baker. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> that was Jean Valjean. <laughs> what gets me is he gives the baker a name and he doesn't give Valjean's family a name. Yeah. <laughs> What's the baker's name? <laughs> yeah, Maubert Isabeau. <laughs> is, in this translation, the bitter about the milk? 
That's like starving. my favorite part about really? Jean Valjean. That made me really sad. Yeah, it's my oh, favorite yeah, thing yeah. about Jean Valjean. That's the whole point. Okay, would you like me to read the bit yes, about please. the milk? Yes, please. tell me a story about Jean Valjean and the milk. Near the cottage where they lived, across the lane was a farmhouse. The Valjean children, always ravenous, would borrow a jug of milk in their mother's name from their father's, from the farmer's wife and drink it behind a hedge, snatching the jug from each other so greedily that they spilt milk on their clothes. Had their mother known, she surely would have whipped them. But Valjean always paid in his offhand, surly fashion, and they went unpunished. Just makes me so happy that this, so like, sad. surly man who, or like... Jealous. Or childish, such childish man who doesn't interact with any of the children in this mm -hmm. chapter and like doesn't say anything affectionate at all. Mm. Sees these kids stealing milk, and then always, always pays mm. the bill, which really sets up for the baker a lot more. Like mm. that. He always had money to pay for stuff that the kids stole and never got caught for. Yeah. So how desperate must he have been to not pay for something? And also the explicit mention of if their mother had known, they would have she would have whipped him. Them. Them. Yeah. Like the the small scale seeing someone being punished very mm -hmm. brutally for stealing something and then doing it. Like yeah, that's how desperate mm -hmm. you must be. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of discussion in the following chapters as well about him ruminating, which is the word of the day, <laughs> about the, not legitimacy of law, but the, oh, I don't if the word I can think of is the right of the law to punish him for what he did when what the law has done to him has been so serious. And, you know, he accepts that what he did was wrong and that, you know, um, Perhaps if he had waited more, there would have been work. Like, no one actually starves to death, which they do, but <laughs> Victor Hugo somehow decided. <laughs> it literally says, very few people starve to death. Like, okay, Victor. <laughs> yeah, okay, Victor. The discussion of what knowing that he was wronged did to his character, I think in comparison to him always taking the flack for the um, the Valjean children, I think it's really, really interesting. Hmm. And then I'm also thinking about how they threw him in prison because he stole bread, but then like he was eating the government's bread and they were giving him shelter and all the like basic necessities, but it was like only after they let him, you know, get himself sentenced to five years. <sighs> yeah, like, you know, you are provided from the government, but, you know... Uh, uh, you know why? Because they get free labour out of them when they do that. Yeah. <laughs> slavery. Prison is slavery. Well, yeah, it's... I mean, especially in America, but I think also in the UK, it's, you know, for-profit for profit prisons. And that, yeah. That is the thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is... I can't remember this chapter mm. incredibly well. It was Jean Valjean, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, so he's chased by the baker down the, down the road and throws away the throws away the bread, but his arm is bleeding because he broke the window to, to steal the bread. And the thief was Jean Valjean. He's tried and he owns a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't 
Does it actually <laughs> say shotgun? It says rifle. Yeah, yeah. It says it says shotgun. That's right. Really that's says rifle. Yeah, yeah. Which is different. A lot better, but also. It's, it says that he uses it for um, poaching. Okay, yep. So a rifle would be. F- and that's why like they were harsh on him in his sentence because yeah. nobody likes poachers. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to be fair to him, no one likes starving either. <laughs> yeah, and there's a re- there's an interesting description as well of we know how much I like um, Valjean's relationship with the his environment and mm. the capital R romance. Roman romanticism, thank you. I got there in the end. Yeah, there's an explicit description here with um, the smuggler who works in the town, the criminal who works in the town, is corrupted by humanity, make, you know, making them sort of inclined towards evil. Whereas the poacher who works in the woods is in touch only with like the wilderness and that which makes them reckless. Yeah, it says that it, it, it stirs the wildness of man's nature, but does not necessarily destroy what is human, which I found really interesting. There's a, a part later where it talks about um, that Valjean can't see his environment anymore. He could be anywhere, and it doesn't. It wouldn't affect him. He wouldn't like. He doesn't see the beauty in the sun's light. He doesn't sort of like appreciate the blue sky because that's all been sort of beaten out of him, which I think, you know, really stands out against some of the description, especially of, like, the stuff that we get with the um, with the revolutionary and that kind of stuff, which is super cool. He's found guilty? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no! Like, trial of the century, am I right? Yeah, um, there's a chain... There's, he's um, chained into a chain gang, and um, there's this like really painstaking description of him crying as as the like metal collar is riveted around his neck while heavy hammer blows riveted the iron collar around his neck he whipped so bitterly that he could not speak except to mumble from time to time i was a tree tree pruner in faverolles still sobbing he raised his right hand and lowered it in stages although he as though he was laying it on the seven heads of unequal height a gesture so designed to indicate that what he had done had been for the sake of seven children. Literally cries. <laughs> Literally cries, yeah. It's a journey of 27 days, and this is where we get the first mention of no longer was he Jean Valjean, but he was 24601, you know? I think there are very limited mentions of the act of... 24601 in mm. the text. I can only remember it being like one or two. Like two, times. I think, yeah. Actually, Which oh, is funny because everyone's obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he has another m- number later yeah, on. Yeah, it's 9430. Um, oh, from the musical, that wasn't the impression I got. Yeah, of. it's like as if Javert only knows him as 24601, but it's like that would be the worst thing a police officer could do reduce mm. a convict to a yeah. name because, or a number because. You could get rid of a number pretty easily, actually. I don't know. I mean, it's dehumanizing. Yeah. But mm. I don't even know that he yeah. would remember his prison number. No. Yeah, it's referred to twice, and it's not very important. Yeah. It's just sort of thrown. Isn't it 24th of June? I think it was supposed to be a date in Hugo's yeah. life. Yeah. Oh, shit. I've got a bit of research somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was chosen 
It was chosen by Victor Hugo when he believed that he was conceived on the 24th of June, 1801. I don't remember saying <laughs> what I found in my research. <laughs> he, like, calculated, like, yeah, my mum and dad would have had to have boned on this day. <laughs> God, I'm pretty sure that was not what I found when I was looking at it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mama and Papa Hugo getting an arm on the 24th of June. This worse than the live bat thing. Wait, pardon? Is this I worse I didn't than hear the that. time that Hugo gave someone a live bat in an envelope, or is it like slightly less weird? Than that? <laughs> what? No, no, I need more detail on the live bat in the envelope. He also showed up in front of a publisher because the publisher said something to the effect of him not being like. Super handsome or something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. oh my god. Yeah, I heard this is like Victor Hugo dressing up as a technician and being like, I heard that Victor Hugo was had, had an eighteen pack. <laughs> I heard that he was ripped. I heard he had an eight pack. I heard Victor Hugo was shredded. <laughs> but instead just like rips his t shirt off and is like, Well fuck you, I'm handsome. This is why he's always like and he was 50, but he, he looked 30. He was really fucking hot for his age. <laughs> he could still lift a whole beam. <laughs> he was in great shape. Oh my god, I love him. <laughs> he is like trash. He is actual trash. Maybe he did it as a research so that he would know how it felt to have to rip your shirt off to prove your identity in a public place. <laughs> He's a method you know when you're writing something like a fake yeah. or something and you're and like facial expression yeah exactly like oh he like pinched the front of his nose and then you can you're like mm. so yeah it's canon that Victor Hugo was just like I'm so I'm writing this scene where Vashon like is shredded and rips off his shirt this is why we need more academics who aren't straight white cis men because why what have we just said that proves that <laughs> <laughs> because you would never read an essay about this but now yeah. that you want an essay about this? No, just me. I'm the only person who would that. want to read this essay. I want to read this published book. No, no one. Who was he? Yeah. Why would you post a fan? I don't understand how he can be such a meme lord and write something so, like, tragic as, like, yeah. he paid for the milk but didn't pay for the bread. Yeah. But let me oh. bring my shadow off real quick. <laughs> You know what the worst Victor Hugo fact is, though? No, but tell us. So, his, his daughter, <laughs> Leopoldine, died at the age of 19 because she drowned in the sun. Yeah. And he has to drown in the sun, and I'm like, why? Why would you do And, like, I think it's a sort of common theory that a lot of his stuff is about fathers and daughters because he cared so much about her and... There's a lot of his poetry is around that. Yeah. I mean, again, this is another writer thing of, like, write what you know, I guess. I don't think of people it's... named John. <laughs> <laughs> My expression has never gone from, like, absolute, like, distraught. <laughs> but also, so, like, a common, a common thing that people say is that 
Javert is like the antagonist of mm. Les Mis. Okay, okay. Grace just like squared their shoulders, like <laughs> I'm ready to fight you. No, no, that was that was that was a gentle smile of indulgence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so Victor Hugo's daughter in the Seine. Obviously, when he was writing, obviously when he was writing, Javert jumping into the Seine would have had that like huge amount of emotion. That would have yeah, that would have been hard to write how it's in my mind because i I read autumn gracie's fic the other day (laughs) (laughs) i have that picture in my mind how 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 oh just remember everything you say echoes (laughs) so you said how 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 how? please how can it be argued that he is by the end of the book the like antagonist when victor hugo obviously i would say leads up to this mm. and probably from I don't know not, probably not day one but from a good while in would have been like mm. Javert is going to jump from the bridge ah oh, we need to dig up Victor Hugo's grave and ask <laughs> him, him when he just thought him. about killing Javert this way and why he thought about killing Javert this way I don't know whether antagonist works so well with the stuff that we were thinking about when we were recording last week, with him being fate and Vajon being oh, yeah. providence. Hmm. So perhaps not antagonist so strong as, you know, a, a lightning strike. Hmm. Yeah, I thought he was less the antagonist in the book than he is, than he is in the musical. Because I thought that it was the Tenarius that was... When we get to that point, a lot of people were arguing, like, oh, as each adaptation has been made, he has become more the antagonist, but that he's not meant to be the, like, he's evil. I think he's more of the running antagonist, maybe. Um, The Tenardiers do more vile shit. I hate the Tenardiers greatly and with great passion, as has been previously established. But they... Are in the middle. Javert is long all the way through. Mm. Okay, so um, Javert is the physical manifestation of the flawed nature of the law. Yeah. Oh, and also an antagonist and a protagonist, when put together, have to make a whole. And you wouldn't really say that the Tenardiers are the direct opposite of Valjean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I suppose. Yeah, because especially it's very heavy in these chapters again, what Valjean suffers at the hands of the law and what that does to his character, what that does to his soul. So we get gift-handed an antagonist that is the human representation of the evil that is done to him. Yeah. And it's self-righteousness. Yeah. Because you would describe Javert, through most of the text, as self-righteous. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, you two fight each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like, like, let's just get this. Nemo paints me like I hate Javert. Like, no, I no, no, love no. Javert. No. I just also accept that he's a super flawed character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what's to be loved, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's complex. Yeah. And got a complex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, Autumn Gracie 
how how about you? Like, how would you weigh in on this? Yeah, on this, this? please, please tell us. On on which part of this Javert's character? Or? Um, on Javert, so, lawful evil, or no, or on, lawful neutral? Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I think he's like a lawful neutral that thinks himself to be lawful good or something. Yeah, kind of phrase it, not like, so just tell me more about your thoughts and feelings about Jean Valjean. <laughs> I was like so adamant that I was going to be like, this is a Valjean only chapter, and I swear to myself that I'll only talk about Valjean. <laughs> but technically it's still relevant, because Javert was there at Toulon. <laughs> <laughs> well, conjecture. I mean, it's a good, it's a cool thing to imagine, but... So is that... What you're saying now is just in the fic that he was in? Yeah, in Toulon. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible that... Teleologically possible. <laughs> Chronologically possible? I think it is... It is canon... Okay. Autumn Grace, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's canon that Javert was at Toulon. Yeah. But not... It's not canon that they ever interacted. It's not mentioned. It's not... Yeah, it's not really gone into... It's not really yeah. talked about whether Valjean recognizes Javert either. Yeah. So, like, they were both there. They conceivably were there at the same time. Toulon was probably massive, and Javert probably didn't care about the faces of the convicts, mm. so yeah. probably wouldn't have noticed him. We're, we're never given, like, a starting year for when Javert actually, like, began working there, so... Yeah. If you sort of work out their ages, you can sort of kind of guess when he would like the minimum age he would have. Well, the thing was that there really wasn't a minimum age for guard work. I think, like, eventually it became like it had to be like 23 or something, but there wasn't like a concrete rule about it. You speak with the voice of someone who has had to research stuff a bit. <laughs> and had to research very confusing different things. And also that Javert was born inside a jail and could have had... Was Javert born inside a jail? <laughs> um, Spoilers? I mean, Sorry. it's in the musical. It's in the musical. Was it? Oh, I was, I was born, born inside a jail. Okay, sorry. I'm gonna throw my mask <laughs> we right here for no reason. I don't actually care about this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only time. Yeah, why would Javert choose that moment to be like, here's me? Yeah. It's not even a plot point anytime I'm in a musical. Yeah. Is there more about Toulon in this chapter? Yeah, there's, lo there's loads of really cool little episodes that I love. We get like a um, interlude of the like imagining of what could have happened to the seven children while um, Valjean is in prison and you know it's all the assumption of terrible things happening um, that you know some moved out and then what on earth could have happened to them but there's one discussed episode where Valjean hears about um, Mother Jeanne and yeah. the one child remaining mm -hmm. who she has with her. And it's discussed in a way that's very sad, but it's also quite wholesome. Like she's working in a factory, um, a printer shop, yeah. 
and she takes the little boy to work and while she's working he's at school but she starts she starts work very early you know and it's still dark and he has to wait outside in the cold until he can go into school and that sort of thing but she is in work he is going to school mm. and it's I can't remember what does it say about them oh yeah it says this was what Jean Valjean learned and the story brought a momentary blaze of light as though a window had been opened on the lives of those beings he had loved then it was closed again he heard no more of them he was destined to never see them again and there will be no further mention of them in this tale yeah. that's what I hate about Hugo is he's like and you don't even hold your house that's who you literally like oh it's that um BuzzFeed unsolved and also like all alien conspiracy things where it's like but I guess we'll ever know <laughs> I'm that's, that's like my favorite thing to say <laughs> like fucking Hugo I will provide you all of the fact for two specific things <laughs> But I will also keep my doors open for any fanfic that you would wish to write. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I'm going to choose to um, interpret this. It's like, oh yeah, you don't ever hear about Mother Jean and um, her one child? That's because Victor Hugo wanted to be sent fanfiction. He's doing the opposite of J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That kid, that one remaining kid, oh my god. Like, he, okay, so I think he, it said he was seven, and Valjean hears about this in his fourth oh, year in boy. prison, so the kid was like three when Valjean got taken away, which means that he probably had concrete memories of all the siblings that probably died. Oh my so god. This, this kid is really messed up. I love how you have thought about this. <laughs> Like this, you're so mean. I think he would probably have been like, I mean, he had to have been at least one of the youngest. Yeah, but oh no, he is the he is the littlest. It still it still does not give him a name, and it bugs me. So this boy, I mean, this has been like mentioned in fic before, but like this boy would be an adult, quite an old adult when Valjean. Time he leaves prison. Yeah. And when he gets to Paris in the future after that. Yeah. Interesting to think about. Who could he be? What if he was the peasant that doesn't let him into the house? <laughs> <laughs> the peasant with the with the wife and the oh, children. Oh, oh my god. Why would you do that? <laughs> oh, shit. That's yeah. the taste of your medicine. Because because he would because um Sister John would be like, oh, you know, fuck prisoners because, like, um, criminals who don't think about the future and only steal and stuff. And so he would have probably grown up being like, yeah, because my uncle John went to prison, my siblings died, so I don't have any space for you. Oh no, that's just like Chabert. So anyway, we've uncovered like the biggest <laughs> conspiracy theory this episode. I want to give you my very favourite quote, which is like struck me so hard, I just wrote it down. One of Valjean's many escape attempts, which the the first of which happens in his fourth year of incarceration. Just before he's going to get literally out. What the just fuck was he doing? Let out. Yeah, literally just before. 
he gets another three years and then I think it's the sixth, yeah, the sixth year that he tries again and then he does it again and again and... Fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, but um, the way it's described is that he's like a, a wolf in a cage and like he's he's become so sort of like rabid by all of these things that have been done to him that if he just sees the open door to his cage he just bolts without even without mm -hmm. even thinking about it okay so obviously i've never been in prison um worth mentioning well, not obviously mm -hmm. i've never been in prison mm. so it is not comparable in any way mm. but i was thinking yeah, so my first reaction was, for fuck's sake, you had a year left. Mm, mm, my mm. second reaction was, last year, when I went to the gender identity clinic to have meetings about, like, getting testosterone and, like, you know, that kind of stuff. When they said, we can't do anything for nine months, that was, like, devastating. Mm. Like, really hard. Mm. So yeah how much a year would seem when you're in something as horrible as prison mm. like for us it's easy to be like <laughs> oh well i've lived this year. far yeah mm. yeah but yeah to to have that one more year but to see the open door and be like you know what i can't even do it for a year yeah. yeah there's these listed semicolons of like things that he's afraid of like you know you know the sound of a galloping horse the sound of a, of a barking dog a passing man to be frightened of the daylight because one can see and of the darkness because one cannot in our podcast grace just like touched their heart <laughs> <laughs> really really resonated like it's so simple but like for me that sort of writing where it's just so plain and it just really strikes you there that, like, I spent about an hour thinking about that phrase yesterday. Being a really bad moderator, I don't know what to ask. I'm just like <laughs> your so... co-moderator. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you have any questions, what was it about limits? <laughs> to anyone here, what is it about limits? Over three thousand words deep. Three, three hundred. Three hundred thousand words three, deep. Yeah. You wrote three thousand words. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 300,000 words back, I can't read. So unsatisfied with, like, the face of every character. I, I'm a sucker for, like, period stuff anyway, so it's somehow more fun to write about. I don't know why I talk to myself, though, because it means research, but all my original stuff, there's so much period thing going on. Yeah, but why Les Mis and not Jane Austen, or what, what was it so much about the characters here in opposition to any other dramatic piece of period writing? Probably it felt like so much more could have been done or, or like there was there was so many details and like there was this dissatisfaction of it not uh, summing everything up kind of like bringing everything to conclusion it just kind of felt like it was such an abrupt end to this super super long book and I don't know I that and it just like so much angst. Oh my god, the angst. It was mostly the, 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 the freaking angst over Javier's suicide that like struck me and never really left. And then when I like saw 
in the fandom online when I got into that. It just came back and I was like, I am annoyed at this still. I mean, it's like commonly said, right, that a lot of fan fiction is written because because it it wasn't written how, like, with Jane Austen, you have Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth getting together. Do you? Yeah. Yes. You suddenly like made a face and I was like, did I? Oh, I remember. I confessed. So this satisfying conclusion? Yeah, and so even if it's not like how you would have wanted it to go, it's still... Hmm? There's fulfilment. Yeah, there's still some fulfilment. Whereas if you're reading something like Les Mis and then all of the characters, like, Valjean's death is ridiculous. Like, I know. It's it's just ridiculous. What? Wait, 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 wait. What's so like? All I can think of is the white light in the musical, right? Like, it's it's really fucking annoying. Sads himself to death. After all the crap he's been through, he just sads himself to death. <laughs> he just sads. Yeah. Sounds like Star Wars. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, and also Victor Hugo fucking saying at the beginning, hardly anyone. Starves him to death. That's He's... what Valjean does. I did not get that in the what? musical. So yeah, he just I mean, sits in a chair. He sits, well, to okay. Death. So the long story is: Marius thinks that Valjean killed Javert. Mm -hmm. So when Valjean is like, "This is my daughter. Here, have my money." Marius is like, "I'm not touching a convict's. Like, I'm not touching that money. That's super bad." And then. Valjean every day comes to visit Cosette, um, and then slowly Valjean is moved to like out of the visiting parlour and into this like empty basement, and then eventually Valjean is like, oh, uh, Cosette, you should stop calling me Papa, you should call me like Sir, and then slowly Valjean like makes it, he like gets to the door and then doesn't ring the doorbell, and then he makes it to the street but doesn't go down the road, and then he like gets a couple of steps out of his house, and then he's like in his apartment, and he's like, oh, I should go, and then never goes, and then just like doesn't eat, like his landlord, his landlord um, brings him food, and he just doesn't eat it, and yeah, just oh, sad to sad to death. Yeah. Sad. That's sad. And then we were watching the movie and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then fucking Fontaine and Eponine step into the light. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. God. Like his death is ridiculous. And so it's like is unnecessary. Yeah. He did it to himself and like there was not any need for it. Actually, like hurt the people he was trying to help more. Well, that's the thing that never quite added up in the musical for me is like you're only hurting Cosette more mm. by what you're doing yeah and also also withholding the truth for her but you know yeah well like he had wanted to just be visiting her he told Myers that like he couldn't do it he wanted to stop seeing her altogether but he just couldn't do it and he like begged him to see her and Myers is like okay and that's kind of how things were just going to be. But then Marius tries to research Valjean's past and finds out about, like, Madeline and everything and the jet factory and, like, all the money. But he doesn't realize that, like, the mayor and Valjean are the same person. Like, the accounts what? that he gets... Yeah, he's not... Okay. This is canon. He, the accounts that he gets when he's trying to research this are so, like, haphazard that uh, what he strings together is that 
somehow Valjean, like, framed Madeline and, like, stole all his money or some crap, and then Madeline died in the galleys, and, and Valjean was still running around with this money, and then he also killed Javert. So Marius doesn't just say, oh, you killed a guy that I knew for, like, two seconds. He's like, you destroyed the most beneficent soul in the whole wide world, and he was so good at you basically framed him and forged his signature and stole his money and like he was the same person and Marius doesn't realize that until I think the Nardier makes him realize it but it's just so stupid yeah. so that's why that's uh, in the musical Nardier is like oh this is you know this ring that I found it's not really a ring in the book but yeah but it has more this, this is mine <laughs> yeah and punches him in the face because then Marius is like, oh, oh God, no, I have made an error. An error. <laughs> and oh God, by the time go. they get to his house, by the time they get to his house, he's already like at death's door. Because that didn't go to visit him. She, she became so loving of Marius that in oh. the book, at least, she sort of didn't realise it was happening. Oh my God. Well, that's the impression I, think, I got. Like, yeah, she, she, for a long time, she just kind of, like, forgot, and she just didn't even realize that Valjean stopped coming for a while, and I think, like, after a while, she noticed it, because she sent, she sent, like, one of the servants to his house asking him where he'd been, and then he, he pretended that he was, like, away on some journey or whatever after that, so that she didn't think that she could visit him, but I think it said at some point she like like wanted to go visit Valjean. Like when Marius tells her that he's going to take her to see Valjean, all of a sudden she gets really excited because she said she's been wanting to do it for like a long time, but she's afraid to ask him because she knew that Marius didn't like him for some reason. This is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marius. Okay, Marius got the wrong end of the stick, but he is canonically a booby. <laughs> <laughs> has been such a revelation for me. Yeah, I mean, complete spoilers for the literal end of this book, but read the brick and then feel even more dissatisfied because he didn't just die, he, like, died the most stupid death. Oh and now feel your dissatisfaction and, and now you go and write... And now we go read the, your brick. Yeah. yeah. How, do they, how do they create such good characters and then just be like nah I can't be asked actually I can completely see how can someone could do that now I understand he <laughs> gets to the end of his manuscript and he's like wait I called this book reversible I can't write a happy ending <laughs> yeah in the like first draft Valjean and Javert get together and um, yeah. then he's oh, like yeah. oh no shit this is supposed to be a, an angst not a fluff and angst <laughs> <laughs> not a head comfort yeah, not yeah. A comfort and then he's like, oh shit, I thought I was going to write a, a poem about <laughs> I was going to commit to the bit and then I couldn't say it. <laughs> I've never actually said that poem out loud. <laughs> yeah, what's the word? <laughs> poem about plot. <laughs> I can imagine fucking Victor Hugo. <laughs> you were the only Wait. You're not the only one. What? I can imagine... Victor Hugo writing porn about plot. That's, that's not how it came out. Yes, that's I know. That's not how it came out! I got 
Yes, I got midway through the, co- the sentence and realised how it and was And then just out. said, I can just imagine fucking Victor Hugo. Nemo Martin. 2K18. Well, I mean, it was pretty, uh, into the sexy time stuff. Considering when he died, every single brothel in Paris put up mourning. Good, of course oh, it did. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a, definitely not asexual. <laughs> oh man, I don't know how we're gonna recover from this. I swear, it gets to about this time in each call, and then we just start laughing about something to do with sex. And then we're like, I don't know how we're gonna recover from this. And then awkwardly be like, okay, and yeah. And then it becomes really serious. What's the part of time this podcast is about to so, Autumn Gracie, any any more thoughts about Jean Valjean? Hopefully, that that was the most beautifully concise, precise, journalistic question I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> Do you have any more thoughts about Jean Valjean? Well, he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even there wasn't even a car. He's just decided to murder himself. Jean <laughs> Valjean yeah. is the reason Jean Valjean can't have nice things. All I know is that he ate the wing of a chicken at one point. <laughs> he did eat the wing of a chicken. <laughs> he did. And that was character development. That was character development. Oh, I imagine he just went to like Morley's and got some spicy wings. <laughs> Because that would be my choice of let's be Like, I'm gonna die anyway. I might as well do this sin to myself. Morley's is a, a, a chicken shop. South London. South London. There is nothing tastes like the spicy chicken wings <laughs> yeah. at a Morley's. Yeah. So I was, I was a favourite was favourite chicken oh, wow. before this is really vegetarian now <laughs> but it was always favourite I don't know what Morley's what is Morley's is like it? Peckham like this area it's Croydon as well Ooh, yeah. it's like no this is relevant no <laughs> 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 okay would Valjean be a Morley's or a favourite chicken kind of guy <laughs> this is like the most like South London conversation I, I have no idea what's happening right now <laughs> So, um, in South London... So what's your kind of... What's your <laughs> yeah. favourite chicken shop? Oh, yeah, do you have, like, chicken shops? Like, kind of, like, KFC? Can you get Kentucky Fried Chicken from America? No, no, I mean, you've got KFC, obviously, but, like, a chicken and chip shop is so, like, South London. Yeah. Like, I mean, I came from the city that basically, like, invented as, as they are, like, in very, like the buffalo chicken wing thing, you know, like... Oh, this is the... Oh, I was just... I'm so sorry. I was l- just looking at this chapter thinking, what actually happened in this one? And I just saw... Um, he admitted that he was not an innocent man unjustly punished. He had committed an excessive and blameworthy act. The loaf of bread might not have even been refused him if he had asked for it. And in any event... It would have been better to wait, either for charity or for work. The argument, can a man wait when he is half-starved, was not unanswerable, for the fact is that very few people literally die of hunger. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, like, Victor Hugo in, what, 500 pages? No, more than that. 
Yeah, way more than that. A thousand pages? Like, 800. In 800 pages, it's like, yeah, lol, I know I said that thing about Bojan, uh, <laughs> of people not, like, starving to death, but, uh, lol, wouldn't it be funny if... <laughs> that is Chekhov's gun. <laughs> Chekhov's chicken wing. Literally! <laughs> Anger may be ill-considered and absurd. We may be mistakenly angered, but only when there is some deep-seated reason we are outraged. Jean Valjean was outraged. So, like, validating righteous anger is super, super powerful because of the way that the anger of oppressed people is usually used to dismiss them. Mm. Yeah, because it's like, oh, we can't have, like, a conversation because you're just angry. angry. Yeah outraged in this case but that sort of loss of control due to anger is what's usually used to sort of like dismiss like dismiss people so for Victor Hugo in the 19th century yeah 19th century I still can't I'm sorry I'm really like I thought you were going to say the 1900s and I was like no but the 19th century yeah to be legitimizing the explicit outrage of the oppressed I think is pretty rad. To be fair, a big plot point that happens later mm. is a lot of angry people build a barricade. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yes, yes, it is very important to like legitimate legitimize anger, but also I think a lot of this book is Holy shit, people got angry. Thanks for derailing my really legit... <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I mean, it still stands, because he's, like, yeah. you know, these people got angry and they were fighting some for something, mm. and that is still legitimate. This is definitely smaller scale, and that's definitely larger mm. scale. But it does... it Like, your anger can either be, you know, getting so angry that you go to rallies and you, like, show... <clears throat> uh, show up and do like sit-ins or walkouts and stuff like that mm. or your anger can be just personal explosive. and mm. explosive and making bad decisions and stuff but you know it's still legitimate however mm. your anger manifests itself I mean to the point where attacking other people or harming other mm. people but you know that's a let, let's enter this through thick we began with thick so let's sort of end with thick into the book yeah um, when you are writing Valjean, is he your character or Victor Hugo's character? Both. Cool. It's supposed to be completely taking from canon up to a certain point, and then it just diverges, like, by a coin toss kind of amount of change, and things go differently from there, but, like, technically it's just tacking on stuff to, like, his character. What do you what do you find yourself reaching for more to like legit, legitimize character choices and that kind of thing? Do you find reaching for the textual canon or the canon within your own writing? I think I end up like looking at what is presented as is like fact in the canon and then finding, like, new and interesting ways to explain why it was like that, or, like, to put in things that 
could have been in there and just not talked about. Mm, sort of nuancing it. Mm-hmm. We can expect that you're not going to sad him to death. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully it's the exact uh, uh, opposite. <laughs> yeah. That would be extremely cool to make a, a long fix that was uh, t- tagged as a fix it and had like so and everything and just, just kill them randomly. Wait, I think Julian had a question. Okay, so the question was, um, when you're writing, who is the audience that you're thinking about? Is that what the question was? Or, like, do you think about reading it? Or, like, who are you trying to write for? Are you writing for, oh, probably yourself. I mean, when I'm writing fic, I'm like, there's no fic about this yet. Or, there are plenty of coffee shop AUs, but not this exact one. Um... But also, there's that thing of like, you know, fanfic writers are usually writing for queer people or to give queer people happy endings or, you know, that kind of stuff. Or like, yeah, I I tend to have Valjean and Javert as not white um, because that isn't typically reflected in adaptations of famous. Yeah. When you're writing, do you think about your audience? Yeah, I mean, I, I, a lot of the choices I make, I'm like conscious of like, okay, how will this make X group of people feel like gay people or ace people or uh, people that, you know, have experienced, like, racism and microaggressions and stuff based on the way that they look or, like, just some elements of their past or something. Or, like, people with mental illness that have experienced, like, depression and anxiety and post-traumatic stress problems. And of course, just like mindful of the people that I'm in direct contact with, they're like looking at all the works that are like in the direct fandom that I'm participating in. So if I mm-hmm. like, see something that someone else has written, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do like a carbon copy of it or something, but I like, you know, I might say that's a cool idea. Let me think about how I might do something similar, maybe. But... In the fandom, it being hypersexual or? Oh, yeah, no, not. So, yeah, the fandom being split, basically, between two, like, they're both either celibate or asexual or demisexual or, yeah, somewhere on the spectrum versus a whole group who are, like, they are repressed and would like a lot of sex. (laughs) Yeah, but there's a difference between... Uh, I blame the musical. (laughs) (laughs) There is a lot of chemistry. There is a lot of chemistry there. But also it's the difference between, like, you know, it's perfectly healthy to have a lot of sex if that's what you want to do. But there's an explicitly fairly problematic, and I suppose people often address that sort of thing in fic by being like, this is for fiction, this is for fiction. Hmm. I don't contone this sort of behaviour in reality, this is like sort of abusive and that sort of thing, it's for... It's a different, yeah, the difference between hypersexuality and problematic sexuality, like issues around consent not being addressed, Mm. like... Or not labelled as issues. Yeah, not labelled as issues, not acknowledged. Because in a lot of, well, on Archive of Our Own, which is sort of the big, I would say, it would be fair to say, the current biggest fanfiction site, you tag Mm. your fix and I would find it a lot more problematic if people didn't tag it as 
dubious consent mm. for. But then, yeah, the Valbert fandom's pretty good for that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever read one where it wasn't mm. tagged properly. Mm. And and people do, do liberal tagging, which is mm. sort of tagging everything that might... <laughs> like be a content warning and stuff like that i want to read everyone's pick and i like i'm constantly in like velvet tags and all that stuff and i'm like looking for different things and then oftentimes it'll get to something where it's like i know that what it's tagged as and i'll read it anyway because like I don't, I don't care, the writing is so good, I'm like, oh, I love this, it's so wonderful, and then, like, it'll get to a certain point where I just start, like, skimming furiously, trying to get anything you would like to say, anything you would like to clear from your name that we have put on you from this episode? <laughs> I don't think you've put on anything that's not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's fair. So that's uh, legally binding. <laughs> I'd like to say that it's been super rad to talk to you. You have been both hilarious and had a <laughs> super, like, actually interesting insight. Like, yeah, it's been really, really cool. Thank you so much for your I time. I was so, so happy to talk to all of you. Oh my god, it's so much fun. <laughs> please come <laughs> back. Yeah, yeah, please. Like, we have to talk again about something. Yeah. From- when we get to When we get there. better at knowing what to do with the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for um, being so, patient with us. Yeah, thank you for being our first guest and like suffering for us. I love um, you. Love all of you. Oh, and you. <laughs> You're so charming. I, I literally like never get the chance to talk to people that have the same interest oh, specifically. We'll bring you back. I, yeah, I have. I have no like people that live near me that that care anything for this or have even like read or watched. It, and it's like oh my God. infuriating. And... Uh, I think this is an open offer. Like you can talk to any of us at any A hundred percent. But yeah, thank you so much for um, being with us and talking with us. And I'm a hundred percent sure that we will talk to you like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me so much. Bye bye. <laughs> This is Red and Barricades, a Lemons podcast. Um, we talked to Autumn Gracie, who I will be linking in the show notes, um, who you should go and follow and read their fan- her fanfiction if you're in any way Valvere. Like, in fact, actually, not. so far it's 330k of not Valvere, so you can... Like, if you're very interested in the characters of Valjean and Javert yeah. and, like, the intricacies of their character and yeah. relationship and if you sort of have read the book before if you haven't read the book before if you've watched the musical and you want to you want to know an alternate version of what could have happened if victor hugo didn't fucking give up um and there's <laughs> lots of cool references like explicit references to the text as well which will give you a nice a nice wave if you have read the text and a nice insight if you haven't yeah this was the Captain's Collections podcast. It was produced by me, Nemo Martin, and Julian Yap. Who is sitting in the room? Hi! <laughs> um, who you might have heard off and on throughout this giving week. us Giving us answers to questions <laughs> we asked or prompting us on our terrible what hosting. What is milk fever? <laughs> what is milk fever? <laughs>
um, so for once we actually <gasps> had a hero. producer, but we didn't have Jade today, we so that's have, sad. We didn't have, uh, we for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our audio direction is by JD Wasabi, who you can find on Wasabi Playground, wasabi-playground, or on Twitter as at JD Wasabi. Jade designed our theme tune, which is really great, and it's pay what you can. You can also donate to our Kofi KOFI, um, if you can, if you want to. If you're that way inclined. If you're that way inclined, it'll probably just go into letting Stevie into the library. <laughs> <laughs> and if you like this episode, please like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from, because it would really help us to help more people get educated about the fucking kinks in Lumis. <laughs> and finally, thanks for listening. <laughs> We've never done it, thanks for listening. I always do it. Actually, no, my thing is. So yeah. I've never heard you Thanks say Thanks for it. listening. Yeah, I just, I just my fucking thing. Okay, whatever. Um. And, and, I mean, you know, he ripped his shirt off. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty sexy, right? Am I, am I right? Haha, <laughs> we yeah, love the yeah. men in this room. <laughs>